Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the fast and easy cloud accounting solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You can try FreshBooks right now for free. Just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section for a free trial. It's the last TWIP of 2014, and in this show, we talk about when art is not art, or when is art art. Also, we talk about giving up on stock photography, and my guests and I share our picks of the year. It's Monday, December 29th, 2014, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Here we are recording the very last show of 2014. I feel like I want to play Old Lang Syne or something. It's the very last show, and it's a special show because I have the one-two punch of Nicole Young and Brian Matias on the show to talk to, to, to talk to you and me about some of the cool things that have happened. Well, I think we're going to talk about a little bit of what happened this year in photography, but there's a couple of main topics that we're going to dive into. But before we do that, guys, we haven't we haven't talked in forever. Nicole, I want to start with you. So you, I've been following you online, and you know, being jealous because you built some sort of Iron Man, Batman <laughs> photography like area up there where you guys are. What is going on in your world? You're like making all kinds of changes. Well, we moved back to Portland, Brian and I. Brian and I are married, just for anyone not actually oh, forgot to mention following that. Following the, the <laughs> thing. Brian and I have been married, married for a couple years now. We okay. were, oh, it's we're, public. You guys are actually talking about it now. Yeah, okay, we're, okay. yeah it's been a couple years, so it's okay. Uh, we moved back to Portland in the spring. We were in California for a very long year, and um, now we're back. And so, you know, I think I've kind of rejuvenated. This is home for me. And I've I've been just I've been really focusing on my store where I I do a lot of self-published ebooks presets you know textures things like that mm-hmm. and that's been my main focus for the past year I've been growing it as much as I possibly can and it's I'm still growing it yeah. uh, so that's that's kind of what I've been really focusing on um, I've been doing a lot of writing for photofocus.com as well as my own site mm-hmm. and uh, next I didn't do a lot of traveling this year. I went to Thailand in March, and I'm doing it. I'm actually doing it again in March this year. I'm sorry, next year, I guess, 2015, um, with the Giving Lens workshops. I'm co-leading a workshop with Michael Bonacore with that, and um, and then so that's all I did last year was just the the one Thailand trip. Um, geez, that's all I did other than like visiting my family. So it felt like a lazy. Yeah, and, and actually <laughs> shooting and being a photographer yeah. and all that. Right. So um, ne- next year it's going to be Brian and I have a lot of trips. Brian already has like he's going to go to like two different countries already like in the first couple months of uh, next year and but then you know like in the spring and the summer and fall we got tons and tons of travel we want to do. You know it's like actually doing it is one thing but planning it you have to start somewhere so. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's cool. I mean, you you and Trey and, you know, the folks that, like, and David Dushman, you know, the guys that just, like, pull the trigger, you guys go out there not, it, and it's inspiration cause you, inspirational because you don't go out there like, okay, I have a trade show to go to, so I'm going to work photography around that. You guys go specifically to shoot with mm-hmm. no, like, it's not like it's revenue tied to it directly, you know, maybe from the assets that you generate, but you just like, okay, I'm going to drop myself and in Thailand and create images and have fun and then leave, you know, yeah, that, that's inspirational. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of great being married to a photographer because our trips are always focused around photography, which means we're always going to go somewhere beautiful. Yeah. Um, and we're not, we don't have clients, so we don't go, I mean, I am going to Thailand, that's specifically to lead a workshop, um, but I'll still, you know, I'll still get photos and stuff there, but other places, you know, we want to go to Iceland, Norway, Alaska, Hawaii, all these places that we want to go to next year, and some of them, is, it, some of it's already booked, um, it's, we're just going to go, and we're going to take pictures, and then we'll use those pictures in our books, newsletter, you know, articles, there's no, we're not, you know, indirectly we're making money, I guess, from our photos, but we don't have somebody paying us to go, it's all out of our own pockets. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, welcome back to the show. I feel like it's been forever since you've been on. I know. I always give you a hard time every time because it's always like this six-month gap, and I'm like, am I blacklisted? What? <laughs> can I, finally, can oh, I come back on, Frederick? What did I do wrong? <laughs> no, no, you're not. You'll, you'll know when you're blacklisted because I will block you on all social media. <laughs> Why can't I find Frederick on Facebook? He's <laughs> gone. I don't know. And all my emails are bouncing. I don't get it. <laughs> Hey, I've done it before, but not saying that I would do it. So. All right, well, welcome back, Brian Matias. Also, the other the other half, I would I would argue the better half of your one two punch duo there, Brian. You know, you can't argue that, right? Wow, uh, though it's a, uh, collectively we like to we refer to ourselves as Bright Colsey. Um, oh, oh, you did not just say that, Brian oh, plus sure Colsey. It's yeah. awesome. It's it. It's out there. It's it's out. You're bringing you're bringing the name concatenation stuff from Hollywood to the coolness <laughs> of the internet. That is not cool, man. You uh, no, I even have the domain name and everything. Oh, like, God. <laughs> like okay. Don't name name your first kid like Pixel or something like that, please. <laughs> we already named our first kid Kodak. I know you did. So you can end it at Kodak. At least that was broad, right? Pixel. Uh, okay. So anyway, Brian, what's going on, man? We haven't talked in forever, and you—I'm sure you've got a lot of stuff cooking too. What's happening? Yeah, I mean, it's been—it's been a while. I think. I mean, I remember you and I grabbed like dinner and drinks, and uh, back in down in California when yeah. we were still living there. But or, I think I was busy. But um, it's been—it's been busy. Um, like I've been focusing a lot more uh, on kind of building my brand, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so I, little things like, like uh, a lot of, of what I've been doing over the past probably four or five months has actually been kind of studying and learning from Nicole um, because it's a business model that, that's proven and yeah. it's something that I'm, I'm actually interested in very slowly, like going into 2015, like building a store and just really kind of really diving into social media strategy. Um, yep. Beyond just like here's a post and here's a post, like mm-hmm. it's it's intense. It's deep, isn't it? It's deep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I call I call what both of you guys are, and I guess most of the people I speak to, you're the creative solopreneur, right? Yeah. So I you're like that, yeah, yeah like you're an entrepreneur, but it's, yeah, it's around the creative industry, and you sort of 
you run things. You're the engine. You're almost like a you're like a windmill, right? So propellers spin and you generate electricity or income out of it. And the wind on your blades is social media traffic and email marketing and all that stuff. But the whole ecosystem around that is photography and creative. And it sounds sounds like you're diving in with both feet, right? So like I, one of the things I know about Nicole is like her brand is the the integrity of her brand is is paramount, mm-hmm. and that's something that I'm also uh, very cognizant of and trying to keep in the forefront. So as I do things, um, sometimes I feel like I'm trying I'm rushing things or I'm overly hard on myself with whether things meet or don't meet expectations, um, and it's really it really is a marathon. Yeah, uh, type of thing. it is. Um, fortunately, you know with the, the amount of industry exposure I've had with Google and with On One, it's it definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but know, a lot of that stuff, in me speaking from experience coming from Adobe at Apple, you know, working in these large corporations, a lot a lot of it is, for you is I think is going to be some detox in there. <laughs> you know, yeah. so there's the meeting detox and the Monday morning minutes and. You know all that stuff that you know, as you shift, if you shift focus from the day job to the solo or creative solopreneur type stuff, a lot of those rules are actually a hindrance rather than a help. So you know it's it's a balance. You know? It and it's trying to figure out what that new kind of way of of working mm-hmm. uh, feels like because this is you know I. This is very much new territory, kind of uncharted territory for me. Yeah. And so um, I want to make sure that I do it right. And fortunately, I think, uh, not to be too cynical, but there have been so many people who have done it wrong already mm-hmm. that and that, that have become such famously big failures in terms of like not planning properly, not protecting themselves, um, not carrying their brand properly on social media. It's Wait a minute, of, are, you, are you talking about me? You're not talking to me, man. Watch out, he's gonna block your email. I'm, I'm actually typing. I'm typing the apology. Wait, this hangout is over. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, it's the. I think what's lost on so many people is the the magic of like being a photographer, or being self-employed. Yeah. But not remembering the other coin that this is still very much a business. Like it's a business. Yeah. Business. And if you're not making money and you're not paying your taxes and you're not covering yourself, um, you can have very grave consequences that can be felt ripples years down the road in your life. Right. Right. Yeah, true. But at the same time, don't get paralyzed through analysis paralysis. Because like we were saying before we started recording, you know, a lot of this stuff is experimental and you have to keep moving forward. And if you you know, you get mired and, you know, I'm not, I got to do these, this list of 50 million things before I can start. You may never start because there's always going to be stuff. Sometimes you just have to, like, throw yourself into the fray and trusting that you have your own wits and skills to help you navigate the waters, right? Absolutely. You know? and so, but maybe, maybe I'm, what I'm saying is I think that more people than not don't have a strategy. Like yeah. they don't know what success looks like, and I, I mean, I even do this with Nicole. Like I'm trying to figure out what success look like. For, what does it look like for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's um, I could, you're always your worst critic, you know, type totally. of thing. So, it's funny you say that because I did a webinar uh, with um, God, Lori Rubin and Karen Hutton 
um, uh-huh. two weeks ago, and the title of it was Five Habits of Highly Effective Photographers, you know, stealing from Stephen Covey. Sure. And the, uh, the last slide, the number five thing in there was goal setting and working backwards from your goal, like saying, you know, hey, this is, you know, even putting a finer point on it, saying like, okay, this much money, I need to have this much money in order to just subsist, right? Not exist, to just subsist, yes, right? Just to, just to suck I mean, in the air. Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. So, you know, life doesn't suck if I make this much money, but life is awesome and I'm firing all cylinders if I make this much above the, above the subsistence level. So you have to find those two numbers, and then from there you're like, okay, so in order for me to get number two, I need to do speaking engagements, I need my online store, I need to be shooting this much, I need this, this, you know. Then you then things start falling into place. But like you're saying, right, if you start without, if you begin without the end in mind, then you're like jumping into traffic without a destination. Right. <laughs> you're just burning gas. At that no, point. no, it's, it's interesting because I started my whole career and everything in photography um, without really knowing what was going to happen that mm-hmm. you know from the very beginning and granted I don't just go oh I'll just do it and see what happens you know I usually have like small like you know like Brian says it's, it's a marathon but I run it a mile at a time and I get you know I get from point A to point B then point B to point C and then I, I see what happens along the way um, but it is interesting seeing Brian do the things that he's doing you know because I've been doing this for like my, my store my newsletter all these things I've been doing it for a couple of years and watching Brian do it all within like a couple of months is interesting, you know, because I didn't expect things to take off the way they did or to grow the way they did. Um, and I'm always constantly reminding him, <laughs> just, you know, just give it some time and take a break. Let's let's sit down, put the computer down, let's watch TV. <laughs> just yeah. like numb your mind and don't think about it because you're going to go crazy if you keep thinking about all of the things you have to do. It's, it's like I started a five-mile hike to a waterfall not knowing it was five miles, but knowing I would get there. And Brian knows it's five miles, and so he's trying to hike, hike it as fast. I'm not trying to put you in a bad spot, Brian. I'm just, you know, these are just the parallels because I've been doing things for a X amount of years, and Brian is just starting and sees the whole thing. And um, so I don't know if that's an advantage or a disadvantage. You know, I mean, I look at what I'm doing now, and I go, what, like, what am I not doing? You know, what am I not doing now that I should be doing? Like, I wish I had started a newsletter in 2008 when I started, you know, really doing photography, but yeah. I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know better, and. So start a newsletter, everybody out there listening, start a newsletter, you never know where it'll take you. But those are the things that I'm always trying to figure out, like trying to get a step ahead of yourself, but it's so difficult when you don't know, when you don't, when you just don't know, so. Yeah, but that's that's the exciting part of it too. But then, you know, also, so speaking about Brian in the third person, so Brian also has, <laughs> Brian has the benefit of having you on his team, somebody that's been through <laughs> it. So many photographers don't have that. I would argue most photographers don't have that. And secondly, the... You know, things change. I mean, like when, like in 2000, what, six, seven, or whatever, when we started TWIP, you, all the mechanisms to do a podcast or to sell stuff online or to build and manage an email list or all that stuff, even computers and cameras, obviously, everything has changed and gotten more powerful and easier, which means the path, the, the, the resistance to getting to where we got is now easier but the the other side of that is you know it's like you've been given superpowers now you can push it even further 
So now, you know, Brian, you can jump into this stuff and not be limited by, wow, there's only 24 hours a day. I got to figure out how to code PHP and do all this stuff. You know, now all that's done for you. Now you can concentrate on being even cooler, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's cool. I mean, it's a it's an interesting space that we're in. All right, guys, before we uh we continue, uh, just Let's just jump into the ad here. So before we jump into the show itself, I want to thank the first sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our good friends over at Squarespace.com, of course, and speaking of those cool tools that are available to you. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP. And as a special promotion for the TWIP audience, Squarespace is giving away a full year of its most premium level service, and that's valued at more than 288 bucks to a randomly selected listener. All you got to do to enter is just tweet, quote, better websites for all, exclamation point, with the hashtag Squarespace TWIP to be considered. And if you currently have a Squarespace site, post your site URL too, and we might even talk about it on a future episode of This Week in Photo. And remember, Squarespace is constantly improving their platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. Plus, they've got their new metric app for iPhone and iPad that allows you to check your site stats like paid views, unique visitors, and social media follows. And Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the fee started just $8 a month, and that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. So you can start your trial. You don't need a credit card to start building your website now. Then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, just make sure you use the offer code TWIP to get that 10% off and to show your support for This Week in Photo. And we here at TWIP want to personally thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, it's everything you need to create an exceptional website. All right, let's jump into story number one um, for the for this last episode of TWIP for 2014. And this is this is an interesting one. And I've had conversations with some good friends of mine about this story and the the gist of this story. So basically, to set it up, landscape photographer Peter Peter Lick sold um, his picture called Phantom for $6.5 million, and it set a new record for the most expensive photograph of all time. Now journalist Jonathan Jones proclaimed that photography is not art and that photography is technology. So let me read this quote to you just so that you guys can have the same context that I do, <clears throat> that I have. So he says, Lick's photograph is of course beautiful in a slick way, but beauty is cheap if you point a camera at a grand phenomenon of nature. The monochrome detailing of the canyon is sculpture enough, and a shaft of, of sunlight penetrating its depth becomes the phantom of the title, yet in fact this downward stream of light is simply a natural aspect of Antelope Canyon. Look it up online and you will find a vast range of photographs that show all the same feature. They're just as striking as Phantom. The photographer has added nothing of any value to what was already there. Google is full of great pictures of this awe-inspiring natural feature. So, Nicole, 
this is I mean this, this is interesting on a number of of topics. The first is this picture itself, and does it stand on merits to have been sold for six point five million? And who had the the cheddar to spend six point five million on this thing? So secondly, and then the second, the the greater gist of this conversation that we're going to have is is photography art? Is it art or as this, as Jonathan says, anybody can go buy a DSLR and aim it at an awesome waterfall or a piece of nature and print it big and say it's art. What do you think, Nicole? Well, I think that anything that something has value if someone will pay for it. You know, if somebody is like, I'll pay six and a half million dollars for that, sure. Then it then it, it definitely is worth that to that person. I'm not going to lie and say that I think this photo is a $6.5 million photograph. I think that there are much better photos of Antelope Canyon out there, especially, and in black and white, that doesn't make sense to me that that photo is in black and white. But then I, I saw the photo on Peter Lick's site and it was like neon red. It was really weird. Yeah. Um, he's not the best photographer out there. He's a very good marketer, you know, and I think that that's I, all, you know, I think that one thing I'm really good at is marketing my work, my eBooks, mm -hmm. the things that I sell. And yeah. I'm not the best author. I'm not the best photographer. But I am a good teacher, and I'm good at what I do. Mm -hmm. um, and and kind of you know long if, and and it's really kind of sad <laughs> that this is the photo that was sold for that much because it just makes it so easy for critics to stand on a platform and say this is not art. How is it you know? Um, but I I also think that it's if people think that just because something is easy, they want to say that it can't be considered art. If mm. you can buy an iPhone or a digital camera and easily make any photograph, then all photography is not art, which, you know, I, I think anyone listening to this podcast, almost everyone who is a photographer is going to disagree to some extent uh, that photography is art. They're going to say that photography is art. Um, sure, there are different types of photography. You have scientific photography, documentary photography, fine art photography, portrait photography, sports photography. There are so many different types of photography, um, but that doesn't mean that one type is art and one type is not art, or that all of it is not art because you can pick up your iPhone and take a photograph of the Grand Canyon or something. So, mm -hmm. you know, we could go into like a deep hole of despair with this this conversation and, and just kind of argue back and forth that it is or that it isn't. Um, so it's it's kind of a tough I feel, topic. I, I feel on the side that photography is art and that, you know, it's just like anything else. I mean, it's like, you know, I would imagine that conversations like this may have been had when the Gutenberg press showed up. You know, they're like, yeah. no, now, you know, you could create gazillions of these books now. That means books aren't worth anything now. I mean, writing is not art, you know. So and then or going back even further, when we migrated from like painting on cave walls to using skin and parchment, you know, I was like, that can be art. Real art is chiseled onto granite. Yeah. You know, that's art. Don't show me that stuff that can go away when you burn it. I don't know. Brian, you know, you, you see this, right? Um, and you sit in a unique position because you, you over the years have been exposed to lots of amazingly talented photographers. When you see an article like this, does it just rub you the wrong way? Because you're like, I, you know lots of artists that are good, and I'm sure you know lots of people that suck. You know, where, where do you fall when you, when you see something like this and the statement that photography is not art? Um, well, I mean, I get, I, oh, this is not just, I get very, um, I'm very dubious of anybody who kind of has the audacity to make blanket statements like this. Mm -hmm. um, just blanket statements like 
I mean, we could bring it back just a few years ago with the, with HDR. It's like oh, HDR is not photography, and of course, photography yeah. is not art, and um, it's. I mean, there is a there's a kind of clinical definition of what photography is. You know, study of light, um, but beyond that, uh, you know, there I don't know that there's anyone who's qualified to provide a definitive, uh, you know, a definition of, of what photography is and is not, you know, right. it's, I mean, photography in and of itself is actually quite easy to, it's pretty definitive. It's something, um, some sort of a, of a surface that uh, is sensitive to light um, that has an image projected onto it and captured, whether it's on film or whether it's on, on a digital sensor written onto a memory card. Um, that I think we can all agree. I think we can all agree that's a pretty safe, you know, sanitized definition of photography. Yeah. Once you get into art, um, in terms of, you know, is it art? There, I think photography has different camps. I think there's photography that's purely for the sake of recall. Like I took a photo of my receipt so that I can submit it for my expense report. I don't think that's art. Or your parking uh, space. Or my yeah. parking space in the, at the airport. Or, or uh, you know, and there's a, where I start seeing the bleeding of borders is when, as we start getting kind of to the journalism side of things. Because um, inherently, photojournalism is very much just capturing the moment, very, very minimal um, uh, editing to it. However, there are ways, there are ways that a photographer in that moment can kind of capture a scene that's com compositionally compelling that draws the viewer's eyes in um, mm -hmm. and that gives you some sort of sense as to how to navigate the photo. So, so um, that's, that's kind of now, you know, I'm just kind of circling yeah. back to your question. Yep. Um, yeah, I, and, then, and then in the case of this one, it's almost, if I read into it and he's looking, you know, what Jonathan is almost saying is that landscape photography is not art. Right, because okay. he's saying you can point your camera at anything that nature created and it's beautiful, and it's 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 not art because anybody can take a picture of that. And then I would, if I was, you know, having coffee with him, I would say, so then you're gonna tell me that Ansel Adams was not an artist because he just pointed his camera at you know random places in Yosemite, right? <laughs> got got awesome pictures of a half dome and El Capitan, so he must not be an artist. He's a technician. Right? Yeah. Is that? <laughs> I mean, and in a way, you, you are a technician of your camera. Um, but where the art comes in is the the kind of softer side of that is like knowing, first of all, um, how to position your camera, knowing what you know, how how to leverage light and shadow in a way to evoke a certain emotion in an image, yeah. um, and knowing how to process that photo um, in in every sense of the word. So. Um, you know, look, the, there. I've shot Upper Antelope Canyon. Um, it's it, it, it is what it is. You go there for that shaft of light. You need <laughs> to have a guide with you. You can't just go there. Um, oftentimes, you're battling hundreds of other tourists who who are popping flashes and just you know. So it's not the easiest truth. I don't know if he if Peter has some sort of relationship where he was able to get there on his own. Where yet, but. There is a technical side to it, and there is also, a, uh, I think, an artistic creative side to it in order. Because, yes, there are tons of images of, of Upper Antelope Canyon with the sun bashing through, 
but they're very mediocre. Um, they're not exposed properly. They're not composed. Even more importantly, composed properly. Not, not properly, but in a in a compelling way. Pleasingly, pleasingly. Pleasingly, sure. Yeah, like like it's not a memorable photo. And I'm not look. I don't. I'm not going to criticize Peter Lick, um, uh, whether he's a good photographer or not. He has some really amazing photos. What I what I will simply say is the reason why that photo is worth, and I think this was brought up, the reason why it's worth six and a half million dollars is because that particular person who purchased it wanted Peter Lick's photo and however however that price was, was derived, we don't know, we will never know probably, nor do I care, right. but it was an agreed upon thing. If I am, if I have money, like you said, if I have the cheddar, you know, <laughs> I've got fat stacks yeah. and I really dig Peter Lick or any insert author or artist's name, and I want maybe it's a one of a kind, maybe it's whatever, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, it's my money. It's your product. Beyond that, it was a brilliant marketing move, which Peter Lick's team is fantastic at. He's built this grandiose Australian personality. Um, and guess what? We're all talking about you. Devote your dedication. Clip now. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. So good. And people are probably clicking through to look at that picture now to see what yeah. 6.5 million yeah. worth of pixels look like. Why do we care though? Like, why do we care if it's a good photo or or any? You should be happy. And then the second thing you should be doing is like, hell, what do I do with my brand? How? What do I need to do if this interests me? Like, if I want to sell the million dollar print, what do I need to be doing for myself? To get to that point, not like, oh, Peter Lick, he's a, he's a, you know, this, that, and the, who yeah. cares? Right. Yeah, that's what, that's what, you know, a lot of photographers do that, you know, because whether oh it's sour God. grapes or just, you know, whatever, you know, they'll do that. But, you know, I also look at this and I think this reminds me a lot of the, like you were saying, Brian, the HDR argument. Is that real photography? And even back before then, I was having the conversation with a really good photographer. His name is Steven Johnson. He's actually located here in the Bay Area. Back when I was with Adobe, we were at dinner talking about, I think it was, it was, it was Steven Johnson, myself, and Russell Brown. Mm -hmm. We were at dinner and we were, we were talking about um, the idea of photo manipulation. Great conversation. And and what is correct in terms of photography. And if I recall correctly, Stephen was on the side of you got to get it right. You got to treat digital like film, like slide film, and you got to get it right in the frame, no cropping, no nothing. You know, you're not a real photographer unless you capture it when you click the shutter. And of course, Russell's on the other side. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, come yeah. on, dude. I can do, I, you know, I think one of the arguments that Russell brought up was you are making decisions even before you click that shutter. You're picking your film type. Even if you're shooting film, you're picking the, the, the ISO, which is going to influence your grain. You're picking an ISO you're, or you're picking a, a shutter speed, rather, which will, you know, blur or not blur certain parts of the image. Yeah. You're picking a focal length. All these things are going into manipulating that image. And then after the fact, you're saying the line is when you click it. Now, once you've manipulated the light and you click the shutter, now there's no touching of that. You know, and there's an interesting conversation. But I think about that and I also think about the argument around, like, uh, is you know, what constitutes porn or pornography like you know or <laughs> you see like a naked photo is that you know because remember in the course oh, there's, I see what you're saying. I see what you're there's saying. the argument of what how do you legislate what is and what isn't art and that was right. the argument that they used you know like they could right. say 
if I say a picture of this particular body part is art and you say it's porn, who's correct? Right. You know, and how do you base that? And same right. for like Peter Lick's photo. If he says it's art, and like you said, Brian, the person who purchased it says it's art, who are we to say that it's not art? Just because right. even just because it was easy to shoot. I don't I don't know. It's I, I, I'm, which, I'm, I, go ahead, babe. Oh, I was gonna say, you know, like we say it's easy. Because it, cameras are less expensive. It's digital. So people have more accessibility to actually creating photos, you know, immediate feedback. But anyone who has made a serious, a serious effort to study photography and become better knows it's not easy. And a photograph that I post that, you know, let's say if it's a food photog- photograph or if it's a landscape photograph, that was years of experience behind creating that one photograph that was not easy to create because if anyone else who's just starting walked up with an iPhone, they wouldn't get the same shot. And some people have a natural eye. You know, there, you know we can also argue there are different types of photographers. There are photographers who are much better with the technical aspects. There are photographers who... Uh, you know, maybe they have they struggle with composition and seeing the artistic through an artistic eye, and they're more artistic photographers who see things, you know, like different in different ways. They can see the composition, they can see all of the elements, but they have a difficult time understanding their camera. You know, but then they're they're, they're you need to find a balance mm-hmm. in that. So um, I don't really yeah. know where I was going yeah, with it's, that. It's, but. it's an unanswerable. It's an unanswerable question that I'm sure people will be arguing about when the next big thing in photography shows up. We'll be saying, "Hey, it's not holographic, holographic photography. Is not art. <laughs> you know, you can't yeah. can't be doing that." In my day, we only did HDR. Now, well, there's never the- going to be an answer. And the bottom line is, you have we have to just not care. You know, we'll talk about it. We'll complain. About it. We'll say, "Oh, this guy, whatever. He's got you know, stick up his butt." But Ultimately, we just if, if you want to keep doing this, you have to just not listen to those people and just do what you love because that's kind Thank of – Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. in a way, it's kind of like you said, Frederick. It's like it's a, it's a spinoff of analysis paralysis where it's like if you're constantly focusing on whether this is, is – did I just create art? Did I – this <laughs> just a photo? Um, yeah. Or, or, Brian, if you're online constantly debating what is and what isn't <laughs> art, and you're not out shooting. Who are you? You know, I mean, talking the, about uh, photography is not doing photography. I, I wrote a post on Facebook um, when all this hoopla came out, and it, it's so funny. Everyone's focusing on the money. They're focusing on Peter Lick and his qualities as a of a, his qualities as a photographer, but no one focuses on how what a wonderful wake up call this is to like start focusing on your building your brand and building like your your portfolio and just like taking the positive from it. And I'm a pretty cynical, pessimistic person. Like those of you guys know me, like I'm not an optimist and I'm not like typically one who who looks at the brighter side of life. But I was like, God, this is such a morose and it's typical, it's typical of of our ill of our ilk, kind of like the photography community. Like just such angry, bitter people who just (laughs) like I'm I'm and now I'm generalizing. There are of course, but like the there was this such a wave of of of, of um, what's the word um, contempt for like for Peter Lick like yeah yeah so just like I looked at him like oh man I really going back to our opening conversation like need to really make sure that my brand is that so that may, if there is someone out there who you know if that's my goal to sell that kind of print or to do this but like that my brand is intact and it's supported by by my my photography. 
that, that person bought the photographer. They didn't buy the photograph. I mean, exactly. I'm totally exactly. Exactly. No, I agree. I agree. They bought it because they wanted a Peter Lick photo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe maybe that was they had a blank spot on their wall and they had all their favorite <laughs> photographers there and one hole missing for that shot and they're like, Okay, I must have it at any cost. My budget is ten million and it was a bargain at six point five. <laughs> <laughs> I totally stole that print, man. <laughs> He's literally got his fat stack right there. He's like, This looks like six and a half million dollars here. Exactly. <laughs> wow, can you imagine? We got to get Peter Lick on. That'd be great to to chat with him about how that went down. You know, if you know, that would be a wonderful conversation. Um, yeah, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. That, you know, if you do, have us on because I would love to. I would love. You to just want to figure out how to get 6.5 million for some of your shots. That's you know, you know what? We need his marketing team on. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. And I, look, I, I may be naive or whatever, but I could, I am just not interested in the whole fine art print. Fine art print part of photography, like for me, it's very much um, the education side of things, like that I care about the most, yeah. um, and the, the the online side of things, the selling of prints. Maybe because I I'm not good at it, or I I haven't had a lot of success at it, but it's never driven me. Yeah. Well, when you get good at it, you know, once Nicole teaches you, you're gonna be. <laughs> you're oh, gonna I don't be, need, no, You're like the available light photographer, uh, Brian. You're like. Shoot an available light because I don't understand flash. <laughs> you know what? I was about. To, that's exactly right. Um, I understand flash. I'm just so lazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah, I only shoot an available light because you know it's, it's, there. Right, here. it's right here. I have an A7S, man. We don't need flashes. What's this? I can go to like ISO 4 million, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, let's continue with this. This next story, Nicole, I think this one's right up your alley because it's kind of about you, right? So uh, I think when we first spoke or when, one of our first conversations with you on TWIP was around you being an iStock contributor. That's Remember? right. And we very, did that, and then we, we did a follow-up in Vegas and talked mm -hmm. about it. And, you know, and you were – you. I don't know if you still are. I guess we'll find out in a minute. But you were, like – kind of one of the top tier contributors there generating the majority if not all of your income from these these micro annuities that were kind of filling you know filling up your <laughs> bank account so where is that and you know so the gist of the story is you're giving it up and you're not going to be a, a, an exclusive contributor to microstock anymore so yeah. what's what's the what's around that decision well, you know, the little bit of the background is I started doing stock photography, micro stock photography, uh, primarily with iStock back in 2006 is when I started. And I did that because I wanted to become a better photographer and I wanted a, a way to kind of hone in and focus my photography and give me a reason to create photos and just, you know, something to kind of work around. Mm -hmm. And it, it turned out that I started actually making money from it. So I was in the military at the time. I got out of the military in the very beginning of 2008. Yep. And uh, we met around that time. You were you were still active yeah. duty when we met, right? I uh, no, I was in. I was out of the military okay. in 2008. I we I met up with you in San Jose. <clears throat> did a what's in my bag? Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I was out at the time. I was just barely barely out of the military. Mm -hmm. um, but I grew it, you know. And that that was my focus. I was a stock photographer, and I made um 90% of my income. I don't know what the other 10% was, but it was probably making something money from somewhere else. But I made the most most of my money through stock photography. Uh, <clears throat> at the time, it was 
exclusivity, it, the, the way that exclusivity works and still works with iStock is uh, you are an exclusive artist where I can only license royalty-free images through iStock Photo. And if I want to give photos away for free, I can't. If I want to enter in a contest and it has some type of terms that says, we can use your photos, RF, this and this and that, I can't do it. Um, so, And it doesn't matter if the photos are in my iStock portfolio or photos I will never put in my iStock portfolio. All of my photographs are kind of under this umbrella of oh, iStock wow. exclusivity. I didn't know that. So yeah. everything you shoot becomes, oh, I didn't know that piece yeah, of it. I thought it, I mean, it was just stuff you uploaded. No, it, I own all of my photographs. I own the copyright. I have all of the rights to them. I can still use them. You know, obviously, I've been able to write books and use them in books and on my website. And it's not like all can, you know, it's not like only I can only use them with iStock. It's not like that. Nobody would do it if that were the case. Right. Um, so that's been, you know, how it was. And it, and for a while, it was worth it. it. I was making money. I was making all of my money through iStock. And so it didn't matter because that's what I was creating photographs for. Um, but slowly, you know, and I, but then it got to a point where I'm like, you know, I really don't like these, I don't really like having these chains on with my photos. I, I started creating a lot of photos, landscape photographs, other types of photographs that I would never ever put on my stock portfolio because they either wouldn't sell or I just kind of had a little bit more, I loved them too much <laughs> to put them into my iStock portfolio because putting a photo into iStock kind of dilutes the value of it in a lot of ways. Right. Um, so I, I, you know, it, it was kind of like, why do we, why is it, why is it artist exclusivity, not image exclusivity, you know? And with that, iStock has changed. I'm not going to say bad things about iStock because it's not a bad company. Uh, for me, it just stopped working in my favor. It just, I, I just didn't like the the rules that I had with exclusivity. Um, but I was kind of stuck for a while, and I couldn't. If I cancel my exclusivity, my sales are going to go way down. Um, but this year, I've had a really good year um, with the other side of my business, which is my store, my ebooks, things like that. And I can't, you know, I came to a decision where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to pull the plug and whatever happens, happens. Um, so just a, a couple weeks ago, I submitted the, yes, I'm going to cancel my exclusivity. I have to, I, now I have to wait 30 days until it's completely over. Um, but so end of just end of January sometime, I will no longer be an exclusive contributor with iStock. That's cool. But you can still contribute if you want, just not, yeah, not yeah, on my, the, it's not exclusive anymore. Yeah. The, my plan is, uh, to, I'm not going to contribute to be perfectly honest. I probably won't ever put any more photos on my, in my portfolio, um, on iStock. Uh, I'm going to just let it sit. I'll probably give it a year or so. I'm going to see what it does and see how much I'm making on a monthly basis, kind of see what the average is. Mm -hmm. And if it gets to a point where I'm just not making like very much at all, if it's, you know, I have over 7,000, I think over 7,000 photos in my portfolio, which is a lot. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to shout out numbers and stuff, you know, of what I was making, but I was making a full-time income with my portfolio one time. And I haven't really been contributing. So that has contributed, that has contributed to my decline in sales. Um, but it's also becoming so you know, there's so many collections they're pulling from other yeah. companies. There are tons of contributors, and they have I can't millions keep up and millions of I mean, we the news. You know, we report on it every now and then as a new change happens, and you know, mm -hmm. Flickr and Getty and all and all this stuff. And I just don't, you know, I. And then there's like all these different movements in the micro stock community, like with mm -hmm. 500px and 
you know, all these different things. There are all these different services that are available for you to find images. And we use Shutterstock for to source images for the TWIP blog. And they're mm -hmm. there, right? So we've got tons of different options out there. Um, my question for you would be, you know, not pointing fingers directly at iStock or any individual company like that, but stock photography as a whole, or particularly micro stock photography, is it dead? I mean, is it is it even worth people saying, you know what, that's what I'm going to do, and that I'm going to build a full-time income and feed my kids from stock photography, and that's that's what I love, that's what I'm going to do. Is that viable these days? I don't know. I... <laughs> It's it's really tough to say no on that because there are obviously going to be exceptions. I think anyone getting in now, especially to iStock, it's very challenging to actually get to a point where you're making a full. I mean, I have a huge portfolio. I, you know, it's it's changed. And granted, I still make money from it, um, but I don't make my full-time income from it anymore. I mean, some of that is just because I've been doing other things that have kind of surpassed what I made on iStock. Um, but I, I think it's possible, but I wouldn't want people to have this unrealistic hope that they can quit their job and become a full-time stock photographer. Uh, I don't think Microsoft is dead. I think Microsoft, the word Microsoft, in my opinion, is kind of being just replaced with a stock because the prices on iStock, you know, from my, from what I know, prices on iStock has gone up a lot and it's, it's like 10, 20, $30 for a photo now, whereas it used to be one, two or $3. Yeah. I remember. Um, so it's, it's not, I, I actually, my, my next, uh, the next thing for me for stock photography, I'm not quitting stock. I'm not quitting micro stock. Um, I'm gonna. I actually have recently been approved as a Stocksy contributor. Oh, so nice. I, that's yeah, what so Martin, that's, Martin Bailey's there, right? There, yeah, there are a lot of great photographers there. I'm really, really excited at it because it's if anyone who has followed Stocksy or knows what Stocksy is, it's different. It's very different. They have a, a unique style. Uh, it's a very curated collection. It's not stocky stock. It's not like people on white backgrounds and you know someone brushing their teeth smiling at the camera. It's, mm -hmm. it's different. It's trendy. It's hipster. It's you know whatever word you want to use to describe it. Um, it's unique. And I'm excited because I've been focusing a lot of my my stock photography with food photography, mm -hmm. and my plan is to build a new portfolio. And I'm not going to take all of my old photos on iStock and throw them into Stocksy. I'm going to build something from the ground up. And um, it's exciting because the reason I started stock photography in the beginning was to become a better photographer. And it's really, for me, it's like a fresh start to do that all over again with a different stock site. Because yeah. it, I don't think we need a reason to create photos other than just for the love of creating mm -hmm. photos. But it doesn't hurt <laughs> to have a, a community where you're contributing to. And if that's all it is for me, that's fine because I don't I don't need it to make money. I just need it for inspiration. So Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool. I mean you, you think of some other services where you put it up there and the 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 metric is likes or thumbs ups mm -hmm. or plus ones and all that. I kind of I kind of like the metric of people voting with their dollar. Oh, it's <laughs> always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you you said that you 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 have no plans to. There goes my all of my Max Rain simultaneously. <laughs> God. Anyway, <laughs> thanks Apple. I appreciate that. Um, so you said you have no plans of yanking all your stuff down from from iStock and putting it up on Stocksy, right? But you could if you wanted to, right? Well, I could. Um, I probably won't because the photos I have on iStock, they don't fit 
you know, they're not like, they don't fit with Stocksy. There might be a, a few, there might be one or two, you know, or, or maybe 12 or 15 or something like that, that work as a Stocksy photograph. But I have so many stocky images in my portfolio and there's a purpose for all of those photos, but that's not, that's not what Stocksy's mission is. It's not to create those kind of photos. And, you know, it, it might even happen that one day I just pull all my photos off of iStock. And just be done with it. You could, you could yeah, theoretically put them on your site, right? I don't know what I'm going to do. I I haven't even thought that far ahead, to be perfectly honest. I've thought as far ahead of I'll see what happens. <laughs> I'll yeah. see how, how my portfolio does. Because like I said, photos that are in my ISOC portfolio, it feels like I'm diluting their value because they're getting, being sold for so little. And that's, I mean, it's maybe it's just because I've been in the world of Microsoft for so long. That's how I see it. Um so yeah, so I'm just gonna wait and see what happens. I, you know, I might try other sites, Shutterstock, Photolia. Those photos could be duplicate, you know, replicated, duplicated, whatever the word is, over on those and as a, another portfolio, to bring in, you know, to generate more income from those types of photos. But I only plan at, at this point. I only plan on specifically creating for Stocksy, and so. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Brian, what about you? <laughs> Are you? Uh... Are you planning on putting anything on stock, or do you have anything up there now, or what? What do you think about this whole thing? I mean, I, uh, I've, I've always had a kind of a, a fond respect for for Microstock, mostly because it gave you know people like Nicole this kind of opportunity to to make a a, a real living, like an honest yeah. kind of living. Um, <clears throat> and I have a Stocksy account. I uh, I got a Stocksy account when they were in beta. Um, I think Thomas Hawker, I think he invited me. I wasn't sure what it was, and I never really, um, before that, I never even for a second considered stock photography because I don't think my kind of photography ever would qualify. I don't shoot people, and I don't shoot cleanly, you know, in terms of, like, you know, clean backgrounds and clean colors. My stuff is typically a little bit more, uh, you know, in your face, maybe I guess in yep. terms of rusting. So um, when I looked into Stocksy, I was kind of intrigued because it definitely was um, uh, a different grain, uh, or rather going against the grain. That's the proper phrase of of traditional micro stock and stock photography. And I <clears throat> I had conversations with the people who worked there, and they were really excited to have my particular type of photography, the landscape stuff, and stylized stuff. Um, so to answer the question, I, I have less than a hundred photos up there. Um, and it's just one of those things where um, I see the benefit, but I don't have the time right now to, you know, you really need to, I remember, you know, when Nicole and I were even dating and she's like, yeah, I got I have to get my photos up. I got to process these photos. I got to keyword them and all yeah. this stuff. Um, and, uh, I just like cutting, cutting the dinner date early. Like, you know what? Yeah. yeah. You're, you're awesome and everything, but I got to get home. Yeah. I got, I got keywording to do. <laughs> a job. Stop. It's a job. It yeah. is. Whether you do part-time or full-time, it's a job. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I'm not ready to commit, um, that many cycles to it. Uh, every couple of weeks, I'll throw stuff up there, just like what I think will be accepted. Because I've had my sh fair share of rejections. Either the photos were too dark or too contrasty, or mm -hmm. this or that and the other. Um, and so 
but to be honest, like you, you know, the, in order to start seeing, I think the dividends come through. You need to have a serious library of photos that are um, kind like of like seven thousand. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you need to have a broad, um, you know, kind of accessible library that can be used by all kinds of different people. And I don't, right. I don't know that my photography serves that purpose. Sure. And when you say the broad library, like we joke about that seven thousand number, Nicole, but you're, that's not seven thousand, like continuous high photographs, that's 7,000 unique, individually standing on their own merit, great saleable images, right? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of series in there, you know, I'll set up like, let's say a food photo and I'll get like maybe three to five photos from it, but that was starting in 2006 and moving all the way, I think I kind of stopped in probably 2012. It, the irony is, I have I, I shoot I still shoot I you know before I canceled my exclusivity I was still shooting food for my stock portfolio, but half the time or most of the time they just sit on my computer. You know I might share a photo on Google Plus or Facebook or wherever, but they don't actually make it to my portfolio because I just I just lost my excitement for it. Mm. it. It changed a lot. You know the community changed. Uh, there, you know, they made some controversial changes within the site. Um, when money is involved, people get angry. <laughs> That's yeah. usually the bottom line. But yeah. um, there was more. It was more to it than it was more than just what I was making. Because I still make money from my stock. I could let it sit as an exclusive photographer and still make several thousand a month. But it was not doing anything for me. I was like bored, and I was like handcuffed to this stock portfolio that and I want to do something else. So if I lose that much money and then have to build it again, that's from that for me is is exciting and it's a way for me to grow in another direction and that's so that's that's why I'm doing it. Bottom line, that's why I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what we talked about at the top of the show and it's it's that growth and like I said, you're exhibiting the traits of a highly successful creative solopreneur, right? Cuz you're <laughs> you're willing to change and you don't get sort of mired and stuck in a ditch and like, oh, it's working. I'm not going to shake it up. You you're shaking stuff up I'm again. Totally you know? shake. I'm taking that, you know, that snow globe and watch there you it. go. Yeah, Harlem Shake. Right <laughs> All right, guys. Before we continue with the show, I want to thank our second sponsor for this episode of TWIP, and that's our good friends over at FreshBooks. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy cloud solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You know, as photographers, we capture moments, feelings, vistas, all that cool stuff, even perspectives. But what we don't think to capture sometimes is the income picture of our businesses. You know, income, your expenses, your billable time, all that stuff. And I think one of the reasons why we don't do that is because capturing all those things is boring. That's a simple fact. It's just boring doing that. We'd rather be out taking pictures. Now, thankfully, FreshBooks offers small business owners and freelancers a way to keep track of their time and money without breaking your workflow or lifestyle. You can invoice your clients. You can do it in mere minutes. Expenses can be automatically imported so you don't have to lift a finger. You can track billable time. Basically, they take the hassle out of running your photography business by joining millions of freelancers and entrepreneurs using FreshBooks to run their businesses. So really cool stuff. 
in this week in photo and basically anything I do personally business wise is run using FreshBooks and I've been doing it for several years now and I can't tell you how much time it has saved me in terms of headache and following up with clients and billing and getting paid all that stuff you know their tagline is it 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 says you know let me read it here it says it helps you save time invoicing and get paid faster and that's exactly what it did for did for me i had a stack of things that i had to do you know people to reach out to to you know bug about getting paid or all these different things and once i imported everything into freshbooks it basically said okay frederick yeah, we got this and they took it over and I get paid, you know, and it just works. I don't think I would be able to run my business as efficiently as I do without FreshBooks. So definitely check them out. And FreshBooks, our sponsor for this episode, is free to try for This Week in Photo listeners. All you got to do is go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free trial. So get out there, capture some beautiful moments and your business finances. Just go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. All right, let's jump into the Q&A. This week's question comes from Gigi. Gigi says, I travel overseas to Belgium and stay there for five to six months photographing unique, or equine, did I get that right? Equine and rural lifestyle. I rent my home while I'm gone, so I have to put everything away, and I find managing two computers, a 27-inch Mac and an older MacBook Pro to be difficult. I would like to upgrade my laptop, and I'm wondering if having one computer can work. I also use Lightroom, Photoshop, and Final Cut Pro, so I need some power. Do you have any suggestions for an, an efficient workflow for this, uh, this lifestyle? Brian, what do you think? Multiple computers, needs horsepower, needs to be mobile. Can she just get a maxed out MacBook Pro 15-inch and call it a day? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, that, so if she's looking to consolidate to one computer, I definitely a laptop. I would absolutely recommend that. And, and it sounds like um, she is kind of of the Mac family. Yeah. So um, I I just got, or Nicole actually for a gift, got me a 13-inch MacBook Pro. But, oh, yeah, it was a very nice gift. Nice. Uh, See, there you go. <laughs> Keep that uh, girl around, man. <laughs> membership has its privileges. Um, and uh, <laughs> The membership of one. There yeah, you go. <laughs> it was, that was the old American Express membership. slogan. I know, I know, um, so, you know, I, but my Google laptop is a 15-inch MacBook Pro, and um, it's definitely beefier. So so um, both of them, look, I, I run Lightroom, Photoshop, and Premiere on mine. I don't use Final Cut, but uh, it runs great. Personally, for me, though, I, um, I have a desktop. Like, I have a, a current-generation Mac Pro, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I do all of my heavy lifting on that. Um, Oh, that's mostly because I also have a lot of data, so it's not feasible for me to carry around my big GTEC drives with my laptop. So, sure, sure. My, my, to answer the question, if if you're looking to um, consolidate to one computer, I would go with the 15 inch, just one computer, 15 inch MacBook Pro maxed out. I think it's 32 gigs of RAM, which is really frustrating, but that's yeah. I think because of the processor, not because Apple doesn't want you to have it. Um, Beautiful Retina display, uh, expandable with drives and all the good stuff. So I I think it's a great one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I'd, I'd agree with you. I'd add on to it though. Um, 
she could have the best of both worlds by getting the MacBook Pro maxed out, like you said, with as much RAM and whatever you can cram into that thing, but then also getting uh, a cinema display so that when she is docked at home, she can have an external keyboard and mouse and that display, and it's essentially like an iMac, and then when she hits the road to Belgium, she just unplugs everything, close the lid, and rock and roll, and she's got everything with her, no worrying about Adobe licensing software restrictions or any of that. It's all the same computer all the time. And I did that for a number of years, and it worked great. I would say that if you are going to do anything like that, a mobile type of workflow where you only have one, you know, like one MacBook Pro or whatever it is, make sure that you are backing up to an external device. Whatever, yeah. you know, if it's a Drobo, a G, what do you use, Brian? A G. <laughs> I, think, I can't said, remember what you said. It was a G money, right? G money. It is G money. Something I don't just. Remember the G thing? Something like that. Oh, what I know it's a, what I know it's a lot. It's, it's a lot better than the Drobo. That's all. Okay, whatever. Whatever it is, <laughs> having any type of external because the last thing you want is to have everything. I'm making Brian crack up right now. It's fun watching it. Um, the, <laughs> the last thing you want is to lose your laptop or have it break and then you lose everything. You know, you hear the horror stories all the time. So. Um, I, I like I like uh, Frederick's idea, and that was also what I was going to say is just get an external cinema display. I mean, I'm I'm spoiled. I have I, I'm I have a iMac as my main computer, and I have the iMac plus one of those super wide, ultra wide displays mm-hmm. side by side. So I have like you know like four feet or something of screen display on my not in this computer. I'm in, I'm in a sound booth right now uh, where we have an iMac, but in my my actual workflow. My workhorse computer is just an iMac, but um, I wouldn't be able to work off of a, any type of laptop monitor for full time. That would be really tough for me to do. Yeah, you can't you can't can't cram it back into that little small space, right? No, and I, I have always have like tons of windows open. I've got like you know like let's say Photoshop or Lightroom or InDesign or something in one window, and then you know something else in a, another window. So yeah, uh, yeah, I like screens. I like screen real estate. Real estate. Yeah, and I'm I'm in a weird bucket right now because um, I was doing that. I was doing the MacBook Pro, which is what I'm using right now to record Twip on, um, or do the Hangout. So I had a MacBook Pro, and then right here I had the cinema display, and I would unplug and go do my thing and then come back and plug in. I'm at my desktop, and it's all good. But then I got lured by the siren song of the Retina iMac. Mm. And oh, that's right. You got one, didn't you? I got one. And that's it's right. I remember. I love this machine. So now I got to figure out. It's like, it's like having a sister wife now. You know, I got to figure out how to manage both of these. <laughs> like, how do I manage, you know, and make sure everybody's happy all the time? It's not easy. <laughs> it's, it's definitely tough. Um, I'm with you because I have my, my Mac Pro. And then I've got my my laptop. For the most part, I try to keep them identical. Like the same software goes on both. And with you know being under the the Mac umbrella, you have these like super easy interconnectivity. Like so, but I, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. Um, yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, but yeah, but like we were saying before, um, I I feel like I'm extremely lucky that I have these two computers, right? Just because over the years I've purchased them, now they're here at the same time. But I, but then I also have a third little tiny Air that I take with me when I travel. And of course, you know, with Adobe's licensing restrictions, with you can only have Photoshop installed on two machines simultaneously. If I'm working here and I decide I need to work on the 15-inch, I'm there, and then, I, oh, I got to go on a trip. I take the Mac, the, the Air with me 
sorry, you can't. <laughs> you, do you yep. want to register the other machines and then come back up to register them? There's got to be a better way, Adobe. You know. I know yeah, we have yeah. a in our sound booth. We have a separate iMac. We have a third. Well, for me, it's I guess for each of us, it's like our third computer. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same thing. You know, you got three computers. I can't stay logged in, and I'm always teaching. For this is my tutorial and you know teach video tutorial type of a thing. So I'm always having to log in and out and. Yeah, yeah. yeah Adobe, I mean, do something for us. <laughs> yeah, it should be easy. Flip that bit that says two. Two or three. That's it. <laughs> that's all, that's well, you know, you in, in all honesty, it could be even it could be even more elegant in that they should be able to detect whether you had you are logged in. If anyone of the creative, like... no, 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 no. Like mm-hmm. if I have Photoshop launched on two computers concurrently, I can't launch it on a third. Um, yeah. Exactly. I, yeah. Do a toggle, right? Just yeah. a toggle. Like just all right. Fine. I have to quit out, but like. The fact that I have to, because I I use one password for all of my stuff. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, and my Adobe password is insane. Like all my passwords are like 16 or 18 characters, you know, mixed stuff, and um, it's just a pain to. I don't know. You have to launch one pass. It, 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 it's a champagne problem. Don't get me wrong. I know it is. But yeah, it's, it's definitely I, a first world problem. It's a first world problem, <laughs> and like. But it's frustrating because it, it, you should, it should be Adobe's job to minimize friction. They want you to, like, because they don't even make it easy to add a third. Like, yeah, I just want to add a third one for five bucks more a month. No, you have to do a whole nother one. It ain't going to happen. Yeah, yeah it it's like happen. reduce friction for your customers. You know what they did? You know what happened to me? I hit that wall because I'm, I'm on the couch, you know. I'm not going to climb the stairs to go to the other machines. <laughs> so like, I'm on the couch with the MacBook and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to, I'm in Final Cut Pro and I needed to make a graphic real quick. So I'm like, okay, let me go into Photoshop, knock this thing out real quick and then I'll bring it back in. Nope, can't launch, can't launch uh, Photoshop. So I was like, you know what? I've heard of this Pixelmator thing. Yeah, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were... let, me, let me try this because, you know, it was relatively simple. How yeah. hard could it be? Knocked it out two seconds, was done. Yeah. You know, so Pixelmator was the was the missing link in my Creative Cloud subscription. <laughs> it's you know. Yeah, you know, I remember when I switched. This is many years ago. I switched from Windows to Mac, and having to repurchase Lightroom, Photoshop, or whatever. You know, I actually may have been okay with Lightroom, but having to repurchase everything because they're like so. They were at the, especially at the time so concerned with piracy. Yeah. And I'm wondering how much has the Creative Cloud changed that? Uh, you know, they can still sell it. They still sell it. I, I know with Lightroom, they still sell it standalone. They probably yeah. do for the other ones. But how is how much is that going to change to where it's you know then eventually maybe we'll have like how we have on our on iPhones where you can just stick your thumb or your finger or whatever mm-hmm. finger you've you know yeah. said. Oh, I, 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 open my phone. I was I was talking to a friend of mine uh, about this the other day that I think. And I have no insider knowledge or anything, but in my opinion, I think the next one of the next, if not this next generation of MacBook Pros and Airs, the next one after that will have Touch ID built into oh, them. It has it's to. Guaranteed to happen. I mean, obviously, I know nothing. They don't, nobody knows anything except for the people working on it. But you know, I use a Magic Trackpad on all of my computers, yep. and it's the same. It's the same type of trackpad that you use on an iMac. Mm-hmm. I want a little dot at the top to where I can connect that to LastPass. Every time I log in, it just it logs me in everywhere. Done. That's foolproof. Done. As far as I yeah. know, it's foolproof, and I love it. 
I, I want it as easy as possible to log into everything really? that I log into. It's like you remember. Don't forget remember, all our passwords. That's a bad word. We're totally, totally in the weeds, but you guys remember the older, um, or I guess the last generation MacBook Pros had the physical power button on them in the upper right hand corner before they incorporated it into the into keyboard the, itself. The eject key. Yeah, yeah. It's, Which yeah, you don't have anymore. What's, yeah, what's they the, can have. Yeah, they can have the. Well, you don't need an eject key, but exactly. they can have the physical power button. Yeah. Dual purpose. It's a power oh, yeah. button and a fingerprint yeah. scanner. You know, I don't know. Yeah. No, it's, it's, business it's, plan. There is no question. <laughs> it would be it would be a, a shock if it didn't happen. I'd be more yeah. surprised if it didn't happen. And I agree with you, Frederick. Not this next generation. I would say that probably this will probably be maybe a speed bump, but then yeah. it will come. Yeah, the next one after that. Yeah. All right, look at that. See where? See how fast these shows go. We still have to do the picks of the week, and we're almost we're almost out of time here. Let's 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 jump into that. I changed it to picks of the year, though, but I did that at the last minute. So, if you have something that sticks out in your mind as something that people should absolutely, you know, that stuck out as like a killer product for 2014, go ahead and yell it out. Otherwise, just give me your pick of the week. Nicole, why don't you go well, first? I'll give my pick of the week because I am. This is just. I can't think that fast to come up with something. So, <laughs> my pick of the week, and I love this. Oh, so I'm a Canon. I, I use Canon, and mm -hmm. I mostly use the 5D Mark III, which is a full-frame camera. But mm -hmm. I also have a 70D. I have a 60D. I do have my kind of walk around, speak to the restaurant, take pictures of my food, whatever I'm going to do type of camera. <laughs> and that's my 70D right now. And so for those of you watching the video, I'm kind of showing the my, my actual pick here is the Canon 24mm, if I can get the light on it there, 24mm pancake lens. That's this beautiful. Thing Look at that. It is so tiny. Now, it's not as small as, your, you know, all of you awesome um, mirrorless shooters, cameras, and lenses are, but yeah. it's a really good alternative uh, for those of us holding out on something yeah. <laughs> that Canon <laughs> may or may not create down the road. Um, yeah. But, no, this is a really good lens. Uh, it, it's an EFS lens, which means it's only for... Uh, crop frame cameras. You can't even put it on a full frame. I wanted to see. I was like, what happens if I try? It doesn't even work. It doesn't even go on the camera at all. Yeah, yeah basically. So I stopped trying because I didn't want to break anything. Um, yeah. It's it's a really good focal length. It's really small and compact. Um, it, it's really close focusing abilities. Uh, it's only like $100, $150. It's like that's super cool. cheap, so yeah. it's like a no-brainer. So that's my total. That you know, I'll say that's my pick of the year. Why not? Because I love it. It's like probably going to be the only lens on this camera. It'll just be like basically glued to the freaking camera from now on. Um, it's your it's your lens cap. It's your or your body cap, right? Basically. You know what? Well, I'm, it is. It, I have the 40. I have the 40 pancake, the 40 millimeter pancake for Canon, which is yeah. for any. That's a full frame lens. Uh, it works on any camera. That is another really, really good. It's exactly the same size. It looks identical to this. It's just 40 yeah, cool. millimeters. So that's you're but, taking baby you know, steps I'll, towards smaller. You're, getting, you're yeah. going towards the small side. Look at that. I've been trying, Frederick. While I'm at it, while I'm at it, I am going to give another pick because you said pick of the year, and I feel yeah. like I, I should say something else. This is a Peak Design uh, slide camera strap. I, I don't know if you guys have talked about them on the show. Um, the reason it's a slide, it's really difficult to show this, uh, but you can literally slide it. This little device right here, if you're watching the video, allows you to change this the length of the strap really, really quickly. So really, but aside from that, it's a very comfortable strap. Uh, it has these little it devices. It looks like it's made out of seatbelt material, is it? It, I, I, it feels like a seatbelt. I never even thought of that. It's really comfortable, and it has it like a little like bit a of grippy on one side. So anyways, Peak Design, really great camera strap. Um, it's, San Francisco you know, company. 
San Francisco. Yeah, you can make it, you can connect it to the bottom of your camera, you know, with a little, um, they have a little, like, a tripod adapter type thing, like yeah. a, a, what's this, Arca Swiss style. Um, you can connect it as, a like, a normal camera strap. I have it kind of like a, like a both, you know, one on the side and then one on the bottom kind of thing. So that's a, that's, there's another pick for you. Peak Design Very Camera cool. Strap. Very cool. I need to, I'm, I'm on the hunt for the perfect camera strap because I have, like, Three com three cameras that I sort of oscillate between, and I want a solution that I can have one strap and then connect to whatever camera this, I feel like taking for the day. This will work because watch this. It'll the little devices like they just do that and they unstrap, they unclick. It's, I mean, it's hard to say. I know that some of you are listening to this uh, just on the audio version, but they just basically like. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. Right back. So as long as, long as you've got <laughs> I can get it. Yeah, as, long as, little, as long as you have those little hockey puck things on each camera, then yeah. you just snap. It's very modular. Yeah, it should be fine. And I would assume that yeah. you could probably get like a wrist strap for that too, right, Nicole? Yeah. Uh, you know, they have other types of. They have. It's not. They don't just have that one camera strap. Peak Design they has other here, types of things. They have a clip that you can connect like to your, your camera bag, so mm -hmm. you can just clip it right onto your camera or a holster on your belt. I don't use those. This is really the only one that I've used. Um, but Peak, I, it's probably PeakDesign.com or just Google Peak Design and. And you'll be able to see all the other products. So this is the wrist strap, Frederick. There same, you go. The there you same go. thing, you know. Oh, nice. And so you can interchange them. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. All right. I may have to order one of those as a belated Christmas gift to myself. <laughs> you know, you deserve it. It's Christmas. I deserve it. Yeah. I'm worth it, man. I'm, I'm worth it. <laughs> Brian, I'm are you starting with people like me. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, well, cool. Thanks, Nicole. Those are those are perfect picks. I think I may buy one of those. I got it written down. I'm gonna go check it out. Uh, Brian, Matias, what's your pick of the week slash year? I'm gonna so for my pick of the week. I'll do the is this. So like for me, I, I primarily do like landscape photography. So filters are super important to me. And I've gone through I don't know how many filter holders. And so until this one, this is by Mindshift Gear. So this is kind of the uh -huh. the redheaded stepchild of Think Tank Photo. Uh -huh. um, it's their it's more of their adventure series bags and accessories. This is called the Mindshift Filter Hive. So there's a filter hive and there's a filter nest, I think, or something. The hive's the larger one, but this thing so it, it has a belt loop on on the side, so it attaches essentially to your waist strap. Um, which any kind of more rugged adventure photo bag has. Mm -hmm. um, and it stores, so this has my, um, I use format high-tech filters. So this is the format high-tech adapt, the holder. It has one, two, three, four, five adapter rings, two circular polarizers, three drop, four drop-in filters, and one ND filter. So like, you know, one of these and then four of the, it is the perfect filter holder. So if you're into filters, oh, and the the, the inside attachment thing is uh, velcroed, and so you can remove it. You can rip the whole thing out. Nice. You can nice. rip the whole thing out. Um, so you use that when you're out, not creating art with those landscape <laughs> photographers. When I when I'm when I'm out and I'm technicianing with my camera, <laughs> I'm technifying. Um, <laughs> Technic tech scanning, technography, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm I'm out there essentially. What what did he say? It was uh it was uh you, what do you call it? Not an art. It's a it's a function. Graph? 
What? What did yeah, the guy say? Know. Something akin to you're just recording yeah. with nature. Anyway, for you. but so so yes, this is this goes with me. I was out shooting waterfalls earlier today. This thing is amazing because most everyone that I know, all my you know fellow contemporary landscape photographers, usually mm-hmm. keep their filters in their bag. So if you want to switch something on they always have to swing it around or take their bag off. Here, here, this thing is right on my hip. It is just a tremendous accessory. Um, I love it. I've I've written about it. Um, I have no like affiliation with MindShift or anything. I just it's like fifty bucks on Amazon, worth every penny. Ugh, there you go again. I, There's another another thing I have to buy. Well, Frederick, I that, and I'll say it's it's great. You, you know, for me, I don't put things on my on my like belt loop or you know the sides of my camera strap, um, and I don't have a MindShift bag, but I have the MindShift filter hive, and it fits in my f-stop bag. But what you can also do is you can strap it around the top part of your tripod. Uh, which if you're using filters, you're usually going to be using a tripod. So you can fit it on the top, like the ball head part of your tripod, and you can clip it on and off, kind of get it away so it's not going to fall off. And then when you want to switch or remove or replace filters or whatever you want to do, then it's just right there, and it it stays on your tripod. So that's how I use mine. I love that thing. I had to to kind of like... um, hack mine a little bit so I, I like removed some of the inside pieces because it make it works for square filters rectangle filters and then it has little pockets for like circ- small circular filters I, I assume that was for but I wanted yeah. more space for my I don't use circular filters so I wanted more space so I got my little scissors out and and cut out some of the little inside pieces <laughs> it worked it's a beautiful <laughs> life thing. hacker it's adaptable life yeah <laughs> no I love it I love it I want to do if my use filters get it it's great now I'm going to do my pick of the year uh oh. Which I am. better not be my pick of the year. What's oh Sony. I didn't. So yeah, my my pick of the year is the Sony A7S, which we oh, talked about earlier. That's my pick of the year. Oh, it is. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. Frederick, Frederick, we. Brian. I I was the first one that put the picks of the year. Uh, no, I put the pick of the weekend. All right, you know what, Frederick? We can fix this. We can fix this. What can I grab around here? <laughs> what can be my pick? Oh, here, here. No, you know, I was gonna get the A7 II. Um, oh, okay. Oh, no, you got I, it. Nice. Yeah, I got one um, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I love it. It's it's such a crazy camera. All right, we're gonna have to. That's a whole other show. We got to talk about that thing. But yeah, uh, you can pick the A7S. Go for no, it. No, 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 Frederick. You had it in the show notes, and you know, <laughs> I'll go with the RX100 Mark III. So this there is more for our, uh, our the more the, the the photographer who wants uh, something you can throw in a pocket that's kind of like just doesn't doesn't necessarily want to rely on their mobile phone but also doesn't want to bring even a mirrorless camera they just want some even though this is mirrorless um, yeah. but here's why I love it uh, other than the fact that it takes awesome photos one of my biggest beefs with cameras in this kind of form factor is that you're always uh, either you have you you eschew a viewfinder. Mm-hmm. Or you have this tiny little optical thing, so you got parallax and all this other crap. Right. What I love about this is, check this out. So let me see if I can get this in there. So you, where what you would think would be the flash pop-up, is actually a electronic viewfinder that comes out, and it's yep. just absolute. Oh, look there. <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh. Don't cross the streams, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're know, oh, you know, looking for the key holder or the gatekeeper. Yeah. Right <laughs> Anyone listening needs to be watching. Or, you know what's great is that it's it's so appropriate because I think it was like around New Year's that that movie like Christmas New Year's time. Anyway, 
So <laughs> I, for pick of the year, if you're looking for just a really kind of uh, really capable camera with an articulating screen and again the, arti the uh, optical viewfinder embedded in uh, the Sony RX100 Mark III. All right, cool. All right, well, since you just kind of stole my thunder, I was going to talk about the awesome camera, which, I, you know, I got to applaud Sony for, you know, despite their, you know, issues <laughs> with, with layoffs and being hacked in North Korea and the yeah, interview and all this stuff, the DI group continues to crush it and push stuff out. You know, I can imagine, like, they're like this this awesome team of ninjas within this anarchy that is Sony, and they're just like, you know what, don't come in our section. We're yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Keep don't your drama us. outside the door. You don't, you don't have access. But you know, the A7S was a product of that, or the A7 series of cameras, the world's first full-frame, mirrorless, interchangeable lens cameras, right? And then they pushed out the A7S, which just still blows everyone away with its magical low light. I mean, it's like got like dark matter or something in there that just sucks in light from other dimensions. <laughs> yep. It's crazy. So, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that was, you know, one of the best cameras of the year. The other one is on the Panasonic side with the GH4. I shoot Panasonic and the GH4 in terms of price point and 4K capability and just all around sort of solid micro four thirds interchangeable lens camera as just, you know, much like the A7S has been getting acc accolades from a different corner of the photography universe. So those two, and I know people like, you know, um, Dave Dugdale from learningdslrvideo.com, he bought both because he needed, you know, the full frame mirrorless and he needed the 4K direct-to-card video on the GH4. So now he has the best of both worlds. So that those two cameras, I think, are my my one-two punch. And Brian, because you mentioned, oh, where is it? Oh, here it is. You mentioned your RX100 Mark III. Is it Mark, RX100 Mark III? Yeah? Mm -hmm. um, I just got this thing for Christmas. I have to say, and it is. Oh yeah. This is the Panasonic Lumix LX100, and it is essentially what this is. So I just just talk. You see how small it is, right? So for you folks that are listening, I'm holding it in the palm of my hand. It's it's uh -oh. kind of about the same size as Brian's RX100, but with a uh, a lens that doesn't recede into the body and a viewfinder that doesn't pop up, right? But this thing shoots 4K. <laughs> so yeah, yep, yep. It shoots 4K directly to the cart. And the interesting thing about this and the reason that I wanted it was because I shoot with the GH4, this has the same it has the same sensor as the Panasonic GX7 which is the little brother to the GH4 but it has the same processing engine and software as the GH4 so it's essentially a GH4 that goes in your bag with focus peaking and full manual and all that stuff like kind of right there you know right. and for me you know the, the going from one operating system on a larger camera to this one it's exactly the same so yeah. i don't have to think about okay where was that focus peaking menu or where was this it's all in the same spots so and that's that says something like to be able to pick up a whole new body, body and just like be comfortable with the menu system and um, i mean you do bring up a good like the a7s is 4k i guess capable but like yeah. you need like for instance the the atomos shogun which is just hitting the shelves that's what you need to connect to it to get full 4K output. 
Right. Um, so to and you know, able... you got to know because Panasonic did it with the GH4 and you know a couple of other cameras, including this one. It is possible to write to card in body, and mm-hmm. I got to I got to say that Sony, if you know, they they've got to be planning on releasing that in this next year. You know, a an A7 or whatever mirrorless camera that records directly to the card, and then all the dynamics change again. Right, because yeah. you know it's just an interesting time that we have all these choices and all these awesome cameras to play with. And the cool thing about it is they all, well, let's say most of them, if not all of them, do a really good job. I mean, these are you can't really make a wrong choice these days uh, in terms of the camera that you're buying. So uh, yeah, yeah. From so the Canon, days, you, go, go ahead, Nicole. I, I did Canon. <laughs> I did Canon. I I tried Fuji. I didn't didn't wet mesh with me. But I will say. It's nice that it's not just Canon and Nikon. It's Canon, Nikon, Fuji, Panasonic, Sony. You know, I mean, there's it's 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 a good thing. We're all ca- you know, it's capitalism at its best, at its finest, because yeah. things are only gonna get better from here. You know, I'm I love I love Canon gear. I love my, the stuff that I shoot with. It's 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 a part of me. Not that I would never try something else, but right now I'm focused on Canon stuff, and I'm gonna see what happens in that realm. If it doesn't work out, we'll see. But um, yeah, I just, I just love. I think that the fact that all of these other companies are creating such amazing tools to use to create non-art, right? Um, that <laughs> the other companies that are maybe a little behind the curve are going to hopefully step up and, and you know, kind of match or exceed what has been put out there. That's, that's my hope at least, you know, because it's always good to see things improve and everything's always going to improve. But yeah. I like, I like that it's not just the two big Canon icon anymore. I like that there's more than that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, like you said, you, very well put. Things can only get better from here, and where here is is pretty dang good. So you know, very interesting. <laughs> so anyway, so let's let's bring it to a close. Uh, Nicole Young, where can people go to uh, check you out online? I am Nicole Z. That's Nicole, it. N I C O L E S Y. That's it. Yes, yeah, she said that. It's like <laughs> like Will Smith. I am legend. That's it. <laughs> no. Anywhere I'm, Twitter, Instagram, Google, Facebook, Nicolzy, Nicolzy.com. That's nice. It's like Kardashian. <laughs> I am Nicolzy. Just there was, but, but Frederick, there, you got there, right? There was that pregnant pause at the end. It's like I am Nicolzy, and you're like, one Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm like, wait Ta-da. for it. I am. <laughs> it's all about the you know. That's branding, man. You better take yeah. a note. That's branding. See, yeah. next time you're on Brian, you'll be like, you could just Google Brian. That's it. I, I, <laughs> I always say that if, if, if the, not that it'll ever happen, but if there's divorce, I'm getting the Colsey and the Colsey. Like, I'm there getting, you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's because yeah. you just want Brian Colsey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. exactly. Gotcha. So this interview's over. <laughs> Brian, Brian, what about you? Where can people go to see that that not <laughs> creating with those square filters? Yes, uh, just my name, BrianMatias.com, which is uh, not the easiest name to spell. M A T I A S H, Matias. Yeah, M A T I A S H. Got it. Perfect. And Brian with an I and a B. And a B, as opposed to, the B is not silent, right? The B is not silent, no. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you both for coming on. And uh, viewers slash listeners, be sure to check out our website over at thisweekinphoto.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap 
off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.